Hello, I'm Ray with another podcast episode. I think I've got everything set up properly. The microphone is the right distance. I backed it off the other day when I was talking to you. I don't know why I pushed it aside. It's on one of these boom things, you know, in my air-conditioned high-tech studio. (laughs) I don't know why I keep saying that. I pushed it away and then carried on talking. And I thought, how come I've gone quiet? And anyway, I had to... Oh, here we go. I've got an email, look. Isn't it marvellous? Whenever I start speaking, having a chat with you, something happens. Doorbell, email, alert, news alert or whatever. Anyway, what was I saying? Yes, and I went quiet. And I thought afterwards, you'd probably like that. If I if I turn the volume down a bit, my end. <laughs> no, seriously. Okay, what's happening? Ray's rants at protonmail.com. If you want to message me and complain or whatever you want to do, raise rants at protonmail.com. And that brings me on nicely, if I can find it here. Now let's have a look to my first email from Michael. Hang on, where is it? Okay, here it is. Now, Michael. Hello, Michael. He says, my first time in hospital. When I read that, I thought, oh, no, I can't really start off with that one. But he was the first one to email me. So you are top of the list. First in the queue, Michael. Now, it's nothing horrible. No dreadful descriptions of dreadful things happening, so don't worry. No blood and arteries and spurs and oh, all those horrible things. All it was, Michael was saying, my first time in hospital, I was riding my motorbike along a fairly quiet road. As I drove past a, a, a close, a turning off, a car came straight out, went to the side of me and smashed my leg. My motorbike was written off and my leg was smashed. Spent weeks and weeks and weeks in hospital. Back in the 1960s, this was. These days, you're in hospital five minutes, aren't you? So weeks and weeks and weeks in hospital. Luckily, they were able to put him all back together. And he's been fine ever since. Oh, he says apart from arthritis now. Uh, But that's in both legs. So he's not putting that down. But that was his first time in hospital. My first time in hospital was, uh, what was I, 14 I ruptured my liver. Have I told you that before? I fell off my bike, my push bike. I had those cow horn handlebars and I stood up on the the right hand pedal because I sent a friend of mine up the road and the gears slipped. You know how they used to slip? So the pedal went straight down. The handlebars swung round and the right hand side went straight straight into my body where my liver is. It didn't puncture the skin, but it was such a whack on my liver that it ruptured it. So that was my first time in hospital. I was in there for two weeks. Luckily, there was a a liver surgeon, well, not a liver surgeon, a specialist surgeon who happened to be at home. And he he covered the whole South Coast, but he lived in my hometown. And they got on to him and he came and sewed up my liver and all sorts of dreadful things. And that was that. So that was my first time in hospital. So we both survived, Michael. We both survived our first time in hospital. I wonder whether you've been back for anything. Yeah, I went again. I had to have a parathyroid taken out. You've got four. Para, not thyroids. These are parathyroids. Look it up. <laughs> Look it up on the map. No, seriously. One of them was overactive. And I was making, what was it, too much calcium or something? I don't know. I was dozing off two o'clock every afternoon. I'd just go to sleep for an hour or two. Mind you, I still do that. That's old age now. No, I don't. So they took out one of the parathyroids. So that's good. Thank you for that, Michael. Interesting stuff. It just shows you what can happen, doesn't it? A driver just came straight out of the side road and went into the side of Michael on his motorbike. I mean, oh, 
That must be awful. Smashed your leg. Good grief. OK, let's see what's next. I must just tell you about Janet's email. She says, people will be waiting to hear what my email is all about, what my first time is all about. They will, Janet. The thing is, you haven't sent me one. You've sent me this email saying people will be waiting to see what I have to say, but you haven't said anything. <laughs> have I told... Oh, hang on, I haven't even told you the weather forecast, have I? What day it is it? Um, where are we? The 2nd of September. Is it Thursday? No, it's Friday. Good grief, it's Friday, isn't it? 2nd of September, 2022. The temperature at the moment is 21 centigrade. What's that? I haven't got... I'm not prepared. Look, 10, 12 millibars, 1012 millibars. A little bit of breeze. We've had a lot of rain, a lot of rain overnight. It filled up all my buckets and bowls because we don't have a water butt anymore. We did, but we had two. But they just went stag. The water went stagnant. Honestly, what a stench because we didn't use enough of it. Then I read somewhere, put some barbecue coal in the water butt tubs, which I did, and that didn't help. We just weren't using enough, so we got rid of one water butt. But even that went stagnant because we just weren't using enough of it. Anyway, I don't know why I'm telling you about that. Oh yeah, because of the weather. There was lightning as well. When was that? That was not last night, the night before. Fantastic storm again over the channel. Lightning, thunder, absolutely amazing. I love all that, as long as it's at a, a safe distance, of course. But yes, Janet, you haven't sent me anything. So I can't say I'm not going to read out Janet's email, which I won't be able to anyway, even if you do send it because it would be rude, as is usual with your emails. So thanks for not sending that in, Janet. Right, one from Gary, my first car. He starts the email off. My first car was a Morris Thousand back in the 1960s, and it lasted a week. He says exactly, <laughs> exactly seven days. He passed his test using the instructor's car, you know, as you used to be able to, well, you do now, don't you? I took my test in my own car. I was lucky enough to have an old... Uh, 1954 Hillman Minx. Fantastic car. Anyway, that's a different thing. So, Gary, passed your test, bought this car, which you've been saving up for. Seven days to the day later, exactly a week later, he wrote it off. And so I was going to laugh, but it's not funny. Actually, he's, he says it's funny, so I will laugh. <laughs> he wrote it off. What happened was, misjudged a corner, hit the curb, and the thing rolled over. Now, that's, that's not easy to do. I don't know what sort of speed he was doing, but um, I wouldn't have thought it that easy to actually roll a car over. I suppose if you'd, yeah, if you hit the curb at just the wrong angle, it could just tilt the car, couldn't it? Anyway, he said it uh, ended up on its side and it was just basically a write-off. The damage it had done, the wheel, the suspension, the steering, everything, the whole side smashed in. What a shame though, Gary. You just passed your test a week ago, bought a car, seven days later, you smashed it up. <laughs> oh, I don't know. So that's it. That was his first. I hope there weren't more times. He's put that as my first time wrecking a car. Let's hope there weren't more wrecks. Let's hope you didn't have a second and a third time of writing off cars, Gary. I've never had an accident. Well, uh, as Trish, as my wife says, I've left lots of accidents in my wake. That's not true. That's just not true at all. I've never had an accident. Uh, touch wood. There we are, touch wood. At least my very expensive console here, my mixing desk, has a wooden surround. You know I'm lying, don't you? <laughs> my old table. Do you know I got this table from an auction, a local auction. The chap said, Fiverr, 
no one wanted it. And I thought that'll do actually for my shed. And he said, oh, anyone start me at three pounds? So I said, yeah, me, three pounds. Okay, three pounds. Any, any bids on three pounds? Any? No, no, no. He said, okay, sold for three pounds. And when I went up to pay the money, he said, well, that was a bargain. I said, yeah, it must have been worth at least a tenner. And he said, well, normally something like that would be. It's a, a nice table. It's only pine, but it's a really nice, sturdy table. Three pounds. I felt guilty. No, I didn't. Talking of accidents, a friend of mine had a motorbike. This is going back to the oh, 70s, I suppose. 70s, yeah. And he was on the A24, the main London road, which was the main road. This is the A23 now as well, isn't there? Or was the A23 always there? That becomes the M23, doesn't it? Up to Crawley and stuff. Anyway, the A24 goes up to Leatherhead and all that lot. I like it up there. I like Surrey. It's a nice area. Some lovely woodland and ponds. You wouldn't think, would you, as you go inland nearer to London, you wouldn't think that there's even more countryside than there seems to be down here on the coast. So this friend of mine, he lost it. He's on his motorbike, lost it on a bend, straight uh, into the bushes, down a, a slope in the woods. And there he lay and he couldn't move. He was unconscious. He came round and he couldn't move. He'd broken bones and all sorts and he just couldn't move. And he said that he lay there. Nighttime came. Nothing happened. No one came to his rescue. No one knew, you see. In those days, the roads weren't hugely busy. I mean, these days you do that. Several people would see you. But hardly a car in sight when he did it, went off the road. That's probably why he was going too fast, which he did admit. Went off the road into the woods and that was it. He lay there. The next morning came, birds singing in the trees. Well, he he didn't tell me that. I added that bit. Oh, who was it the other day asking me whether something was true or not? Everything's based on, yes, everything is true. Everything I say, every word that leaves my mouth is true. So he lay there. And the next night came, this is a dreadful bit, the next night came and then the following morning, as two nights he'd been there, he was thinking, I'm going to die. Obviously he couldn't move, he couldn't do anything, there no mobile phone, what could you do? No good shouting. Luckily, a motorist saw these skid marks going across the grass verge into the bushes. Luckily he stopped, I mean this is really, well, luck pure luck. He stopped, followed the, the skid marks through the sort of mud and the grass, happened to look down and there's my friend and the smashed up, well the smashed up friend and the smashed up motorbike. So of course uh, from then on he got an ambulance and it was all okay. But he said when he woke up the second morning he thought that was it. He just thought he was going to lay there until he died. Isn't that awful? He did say you know, it was an awful experience and one that he'd never forget. I, yes, I can imagine that's you would never forget that. So that was a that was a nice story. Yes, I do I do remember when he first told me that, I was quite shaken. Well, not shaken, but you know, I just pictured him there at the bottom of this kind of one. Well, it wasn't a ditch; in the woods, like a valley, I suppose. And I remember thinking, well, what if he had died? How many weeks would he lay there? You just don't know, do you? Anyway, he didn't die, so that was a bit of luck. Now, this wasn't planned, but saying that was a bit of luck brings me nicely on to the next uh, email from Margaret. Um, omens. Do you believe in omens? If something happens, you, you sort of get a feeling or something. Now, what's an omen? Something happens, doesn't it? You were going to catch the bus, but you, you missed it. Is that an omen? Or is, no, I don't know. Anyway, she says the first, her first time, first boyfriend she ever had. She'd arranged to meet him. 
at a bus stop. Uh, she got a bus into town and arranged to meet him at this bus stop. So she would hop off the bus and meet him there. She got off at the wrong bus stop and they didn't meet up. By the time she realised it was wrong, she walked to the next, well, whichever bus stop it was. He'd gone, he wasn't there, blah, blah, blah. So that's that. Oh, who? someone emailed me and said, what does blah, blah, blah mean? <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute. She heard a day or two later that he was a married man and that he he often went out with younger girls. Now, she doesn't say how old she, she was or he was. I suppose being her first boyfriend, presumably she's teens, and presumably he was a bit older, I don't know, 20s or whatever. And she said that was such a lucky escape because he had a wife at home and he was known, apparently. She spoke to some friends of hers. Oh, him, yeah, we know of him. He's always after you know, young girls. So she says that was a bit of luck, getting off at the wrong bus stop. I wonder whether there are things like that. Is that meant to be? Was she meant to get off at the wrong bus stop so she didn't meet him? Did she have, as she puts in her email, do I have a guardian angel? I don't know. One wonders. She does go on to say that she talks about him as her first boyfriend. They'd met. He'd asked her out. They'd had coffee or drink or whatever somewhere. And this was going to be her first time out with him. So it was, she'd not had a boyfriend before. It was her first boyfriend. And that's the experience. Well, she missed it. Luckily, she didn't have that experience. I know of someone who was going out with a chap. She was uh, been going out with him for a few weeks. And he said, I can't see you next week. And she said, oh, OK, well, where are you going? What's happening? I'm going on honeymoon. <laughs> and of course, she said, what? You're honeymoon? What do you want about? He said, yeah, I'm getting married. But OK, when I get back from honeymoon, we can still carry on seeing each other, can't we? I won't tell you what she said because um, it's rather rude. But what did he think? I don't know. What sort of person was he? Because I said, did you tell his wife? She said, no. I said, well, you should have done. You should have gone and told his wife. Well, before he married his... Oh, I don't know. Erica. Hello, Erica. My first time, she says, I bought a record. Do you remember records? This was in the 60s. The first time she bought a record, it was the Beatles. She loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the Beatles. Back then, Erica, it was the Beatles or the Stones. And I was a Stones man. Bit like mods and rockers, you know, you were one or the other. Actually, I was neither. I was a hippie. But uh, I like the Rolling Stones. Some people like the Beatles. The Beatles were more accepted, I think, by parents because they were smart young men. Whereas the Rolling Stones were rather, well, the opposite. I would, how can I just, well, you know what they were like. Mick Jagger, do you know they're still going, the Stones, they're still touring, still touring the world. And he's 77, is he? Sadly, Charlie died, Charlie Watts, he went. But Mick and Keith are still going, Keith Richards and Mick. Oh dear, fantastic. But that was her first ever record. She loves you. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Was that was that the 60s or 70s? No, you're right, it's the 60s. Oh, my memory's going. First record I ever bought, I don't. I don't know why I bought it. Lucky Lips. Was it Lucky Lips are always, you know, Lucky Lips are never blue. Oh, awful. I don't know why I bought it. It was seven and sixpence in Woolworths. I don't know why I bought it. Was it Cliff Richard? I think it was, I'd have to look that up. I think it was Cliff Richard. Oh, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, someone said, what does that mean? It's when you've got, for example, if I'm going to say, I, mean, I know a lot of listeners are abroad, so it's not a silly question. What does blah, blah, blah mean? 
no good looking up in the dictionary. Oh, I don't know, it might be in the dictionary. When I say he went to a garage and it was off the main road and he wanted to buy this car, he'd look round the showroom, blah, blah, blah. That means there's more to it than that, but it's not worth mentioning. So replace the blah, blah, blah with... He looked round the showroom, he found a red car, which he thought was perhaps okay. Then he looked at a blue one. He rather liked the Morris, but preferred the Humber. So that's the blah, blah, blah. Instead of saying all that and boring people, so they start dozing off and snoring or going up the pub. Actually, it's Friday. Do you know, last week we said, every Friday we tried to go to the, the club, our local club. Last week I said to Trish, right, we've got the club. Four o'clock this afternoon, only for an hour, four till five, then we come back. Only a couple of drinks, just to, you know, show our faces up there because we are members. Last Friday, Trish said, oh, we can't, we can't. We've got one of the grandchildren coming round. She's, she's uh, what, seven? No, no, she's not 70. What am I saying? How old is she now? I don't know, heading, <laughs> heading for her 20s. Anyway, she was coming here on her way home from work. The Friday before, something happened. Oh, we go to the club. Oh, no, no, we can't. Some, oh, something's happening. Today... I said this morning, we'll go to the club tonight. Well, tonight, four o'clock. We can't. We've got to pick up a cat from the vets. Uh, daughter's, well, grandson's cat is, um, had bits chopped off and we had to pick him up from the vet. Luckily, that's already done. The vet phoned early and said, right, you can come and take him away now. So we've done that. And we also have been to Amberley Museum this morning with niece and her two boys. So that was good. Amberley was, uh, was good. Quite a few people there, actually, for a Friday. So, dare I say it, we are free this afternoon to pop up to the club. I don't think we've been now for the last four Fridays. So, when we get there, they'll say, who are you? You're not members here, are you? <laughs> I know they won't. They remember us. They certainly remember me. I'm just looking up blah, blah, blah. It's B-L-A-H. If you want to look it up, B-L-A-H. Put that in three times in Google or whatever. Here we are used to refer to something which is boring or without meaningful content. Oh, my entire podcast episode then. <laughs> Perhaps I should just sit here for three seconds and say blah, blah, blah. And then you can go and get on with something useful instead of sitting here for nearly an hour. So there we are. Uh, the first 20 pages are a lot of blah about budgets and stuff like that. Oh, that's an example of blah, blah, blah. Urban Dictionary, here we are. An example of someone chatting... I can't read that. Blah, blah, blah. Someone who would probably make a good salesman doesn't stop talking. Ah, oh, I know people that don't stop talking. Do you know what I do? If we're in a group and I can't get a word, I put my hand up like we're at school. And of course, they look at me and it goes quiet. And, yeah, OK. Oh, yeah. Uh, is it my turn? Please, miss, can I say something? And of course, they laugh and sometimes frown at me. But very often, do you know anyone that talks to me? You can say me. <laughs> I just fell into that, didn't I? You're going to say, yeah, you talk too much. No, seriously, there are people that don't take a breath. They just don't. Uh, my father-in-law used to reckon that his wife and mother-in-law had gills behind her ears, gills, so she could breathe like fish, so she could talk non-stop without taking a breath through her mouth. And she's got, I don't know, gills. <laughs> but some people don't, do they? They don't stop. I don't know how they do it. I just don't know how they... I know I talk on the episodes for nearly an hour, but they will chat to in a group of people. They would chat inane drivel, as my mate used to call it, inane drivel, for hours. 
non-stop blah 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 and honestly it gives me a headache I have to hide up in my radio room or go into the garden anywhere to escape oh we've had a couple of big frogs a lot of rain recently a couple of huge frogs uh, hopping out of the pond and wandering around the garden while I went to see the rabbit poor old chap he's still going the old rabbit he was sitting there this morning and we went to feed him and he's looking down at something we thought what's, what's he doing there what's he up to about six inches in front of where he was sitting, there's this big frog, and they're just staring at each other, probably both thinking, what on earth is that? <laughs> that was funny. We put the frog back in the pond. April. Now, I know it's September. That's her name. Hello, April. Thank you for your email. Your first time in hospital as well. You were 16. Had your appendix out. Now, there's a thing, having your appendix out. I've never had that. Uh, or tonsils. They don't take tonsils out anymore, do they? Anyway, she says, uh, where are we? In those days, you got ice cream. I've heard that. They gave you ice cream. But didn't they give you toast as well? I think the toast was uh, because it was rough, like a bit of roughage, nothing like a bit of roughage, to kind of grind your scabs off your throat. I, I don't know, something awful. But she remembers the ice cream when she was 16. You don't say how old you are now, April, so I don't know when, probably back in the, the 60s. Weren't hospitals different then? Stone the crows. I remember my hospital when I was, what, 14 when I went in there with my liver ripped open. And it was so different. They had a matron, a proper Hattie Jakes type matron who had come, I nearly said waddling in. I can't say that. She was um, overweight. Is that right to say overweight? And she would walk into the ward and frown at things and look at things and complain to the nurses. Nurse, Nurse Smith, I told you to do that. You haven't done that. Look. Sorry, matron. Sorry, matron. I mean, she really was in charge, this matron. One of the uh, nurses, it must have been a student nurse, she was told to take out my stitches. Huge scar on my stomach, 14 stitches. They looked like bits of rope. Well, they weren't that thick, but almost. And this poor nurse, she got all of them out except one. And she couldn't do it. And there's, there's bleeding and stuff. And I'm going, ah, ah, ah. Matron came over. What are you doing, nurse? She said, oh, sorry, matron, I can't get this last stitch out. Stone the crows, the matron got it out. Hand on the stomach, one end of this stitch, whoa, ripped it out. <laughs> Blood ran down each side of my stomach from this, oh. And this poor little student nurse looked at me and uh, she just smiled. And when the matron had gone, she was left to clean up the mess. She said, sorry about that. I was trying to be careful. <laughs> Dear. But they're very different now, aren't they? Hospital wards. How things have changed. So there we are. I'm glad you're okay anyway, April. <laughs> and I survived my trip to hospital as well. Now, Danny says his first girlfriend, he was 16. His first girlfriend was a little bit older. He thought she was about 18. He went out with her and he thought, this is good. This is going to be a, a nice relationship. They really got on well together. They've been going out together for a couple of months. And he discovered the, as he put it, the awful truth. She was married. She was in her early 20s and she was married. He doesn't mention whether she had children or not. But he said he was shocked to the core. His word, shocked to the core. He'd fallen in love. He thought this was it. Love at first sight. They got on so well together. She had a car. He thought she was 18. So he was 16. Nothing illegal. That's okay. Well, even if she's early 20s, it's not illegal. He was uh, of age, you know, consent at 16. Possibly not ethical on her part. 
well, especially as she's married. And he said that affected him for many, many years. And he said even today he looks back and thinks how he was duped, as he put it. He was duped. That's awful. That's awful, that is. But things happen, don't they? Things like that happen. Apparently her husband found out and they ended up divorced. He didn't want to know. So this girl was on her own. Um, and that was that. I don't know what happened after that, but uh, that's dreadful. You know, he said it was his first real girlfriend. You know, the first, his first time ever. And it turns out to be someone who's married. Oh, that's awful. Oh, just the last bit. Happily married now with five children. Five? You've done well. Five children. Well done, you. I knew a chap where we were both, what, in our no, early 30s we were. He was one, you won't believe this, one of 16. 16 children. His mother, I think by two, his mother had a, yeah, eight, uh, sorry, 16 children, eight by one husband and eight by another. 16. Talk about a family get-together at Christmas and birthdays. I did go to his house once. Most of them were older than him. They, they'd moved out. He still lived at home. But I think there were about five of them there then. Six, I couldn't believe it. Of course, in the old days, it was nothing unusual for people to have four kids. I'm one of four. That was just normal. These days, it's 2.4, all this, all this twee stuff. Yeah, I was talking about twee, where people, they get married, they save up, they get married, buy their house, they'll get their mortgage, have 2.4 children, and it's all neat and twee and silly. <laughs> Whereas other people like me, they go clubbing and do all sorts of dreadful things and make mistakes, but somehow come through it all. Well, I was talking to a, a friend of mine the other day. I hadn't mentioned the word twee. He hasn't listened to the podcast and he brought it up. And do you know what he said to me? He said, you know, I've got this twee type marriage and I'm fed up with it. <laughs> His wife apparently was fed up with it as well. They were both living in, how did he put it, this this bubble of something, I can't remember what he said now, we're both living in this bubble of whatever, in our twee marriage, in our twee house. Anyway, they're going to split up. And initially I thought, well, that's sad, but no, they're both in agreement with it and they both reckon that they stay friends. They don't have children. They've got some equity in the house. They'll sell that, go and get their own flats or something. So, yes, tweeness, <laughs> tweeness, is there such a word? It doesn't always work, does it? Hello, Malcolm. Thanks for your email. Malcolm's first time abroad, he says, was in the 70s. Same with me, Malcolm. You went to Spain. So did I. I know, I know. I've been reading your email. Exactly the same experience. He says it was awful. He says, wherever you go, there's beans on toast. What is Red Barrel? I've spoken about this before, Malcolm. You must have got this from one of the earlier podcasts. And it's rung your bell, so to speak, and you've remembered your first time in Spain. I remember it. The hotel was all... I don't know, you had to take your own marmalade. He's put that. I remember that. Take your own marmalade and marmite, if you're into that. I like marmite. It's a love-hate thing, isn't it? But I do like marmite. Stir a teaspoonful of it into a, a saucepan of baked beans. <laughs> Lovely. Anyway, Malcolm says, Spain. He says it was awful. Fish and chips, beans on toast, what in his red barrel. He said he wanted a sample Spanish food. What he did, there were coach trips. I remember all this, coach trips everywhere to hog roasts and things. What he did, he was on his own. He says, that, stupidly, I was hoping to meet someone out there that I could spend the rest of my life with. It's not a good idea, Malcolm, is it, in Spain? I mean, you do meet English girls out there, but 
you know, you live in kind of Brighton and they live in Bolton. So you're miles apart, which is not a good start. <laughs> I met an English... No, that's another story. Thing is, she didn't live too far from where I am. So that was a bit dodgy. So, yes, being on toast, he wanted to sample Spanish cuisine. So he went off, he wandered off to some village. Uh, when you say wander off, presumably you got a taxi or something or a bus, I don't know. And he said he went into this little cafe type place and they're all looking at him as if, what do you want? Who are you? And he's sort of saying English, English. Uh, luckily, one of the chaps in there said, yes, English. And he said, I want to sample Spanish cuisine. I don't want what in his red barrel. Anyway, this chap told all the others what the situation was. And they were all, oh, yeah, yeah, welcome, welcome. <laughs> and he said he spent half the night there drinking all sorts of weird sort of fire water stuff, having all this strange food. Well, strange to him, you know, not uh, strange to them, of course. And he said he had the night of his life. He doesn't know how he got back to his hotel. Some vague memory of someone taking him back. So perhaps one of the people in the, the cafe or bar, or whatever it was, had found out where he was staying. I don't know, took him back in the car or whatever. But he said it was fantastic and far better than just sticking with your English fish and chips, English beans on toast, double diamond, you know, oh, double diamond bitter. <laughs> My first time in Spain, it was all right. It was an experience, but I didn't want fish and chips. You can get that back here in England. Well, after all the rain this morning, it was really awful weather first thing. When I woke up at five, it was lashing with rain. Then it kind of turned to drizzle like it does, you know, mizzle, as one of our weather forecasters used to call it, mizzle, which is sort of mist and drizzle mixed together, I think. Anyway, now the sun's out. I've just been chatting to a neighbour in his garden. The sun's out and it is really hot. That's the thing, this time of year, you get the sunshine come through and the clouds clear and it's really hot. If the sun disappears and it's damp, then it can be a little bit chilly. But we are now, I think we're officially into autumn, are we? Uh, the fall, as you call it in America. That makes more sense, fall, because the leaves fall. What autumn means, I've no idea. Probably some Greek word. Oh, with all due respect to Greeks. No, it's probably Latin, isn't it? <laughs> the Romans. What else? Oh, tell John, please. What else did the Romans do? Well, they gave us roads. Yeah, yeah. What else, though? Well, underfloor heating. Yeah, but apart from roads and underfloor heating, what else? Well, schools and baths and water supply. And, yeah, but apart from all that, I don't know. John Cleese and his lot, they were funny, weren't they? Back to first time Joey from America. Hello, Joey. How are you? Nice to hear from you. He says the first time he drove a car, he was 10 years old. 10? That's young. His dad, oh, that's your ranch. You see, if you've got a ranch with a load of land, then you can do what you like, can't you? I've always wanted a small holding, not a farm. That's too much work. A small holding. Have a few engines scattered about, a few old cars that I can muck about with, some barns, a couple of big outhouses I can fill with junk. Terrific. So 10 years old, his dad taught him how to drive. Of course, by the time it came to take his test, when you, I don't know, what are you out there? 17 here, is it 18 driving test in America? I don't know. He hasn't said. But I was 12, Joey, in a Ford console. So that would have been 1963. Yeah, summer of 63 it was. We had the winter of 62, 63. And it was a Ford console. 
And I can rem- no, I can almost remember the number plate. I've forgotten it. I did know. Anyway, Dad showed me what to do. Manual, of course. Uh, you don't mention what yours was, Joey. Probably automatic being in America. But uh, yeah, I drove this Ford console and I thought, this is good. I had to sit on a cushion. Move the bench seat forward. Bench seat. Oh, weren't they good? Column change. Brilliant. Had to move it forward so I could reach the pedals. <laughs> 12 years old. And I drove it round what we call Learner's Paradise. That's what it used to be called, Learner's Paradise. It's a it's goring gap down on the seafront. They also call it the Cabbage Patch and various other things. I had another first-time experience there. That was in a car, but that's another issue. Again, that's another story. So yes, 12 years old, and you were 10. That's good, 10. I mean, at that age, all right, you, you're not good enough, obviously, to go on the roads. And I think even if you are, then at 10 or 12 years old, you shouldn't be able to drive a car legally on the road. It's just too young, isn't it? But yeah, I do remember that. And I remember going to school and saying to the lads, I drove a car at the weekend. Oh, no, you didn't. What car? My dad's Ford console. Oh, wow, what was it like? I had to sit on a cushion. Do you know my dad, he put blocks on my bicycle pedals. I had a new bike and he put wooden blocks on the pedals. And did people laugh at me at school? Oh, look, his legs are too short. Oh, look, he's got blocks. It was embarrassing. A friend of mine had blocks on the pedals of his car because he was a short little thing and he had wooden blocks put on the pedals. I don't know how he fixed, probably drilled holes in them and screwed them on or something because he had such such short legs. <laughs> I mean, they laughed at me on my bike with the, you know, the pedal blocks, but uh, he got laughed at in his car. That was a, that was a Ford console, you know. I remember because he had the, the accelerator, he had a huge elastic strap from the accelerator pedal to a screw in the side of the, um, you know, the, the side of the car. And I said, what's that? He said, well, the, the throttle spring is gone on, on the return spring. And he said, that's what racing drivers do. I said, no, they don't. There's stuff going on. They don't. They don't have a big elastic bands on their throttle. <laughs> oh, dear. He was a... He was a lovely chap, not a compulsive liar. Well, almost. A compulsive, I don't know, he had difficulty with the truth. <laughs> Another diary entry. Uh, still having a few come through from Nicola. Hello, Nicola. She says at school, when she was 14, she cheated and she put it in her diary and she just found it. She'd forgotten about that, but flicking through old diaries, she's found it. There was an exam and she could see the girl next to her. Now, they weren't actually sitting right together, but she could see what this girl was writing. And she copied her, because she didn't know. She said she would have failed the exam had she not copied this other girl. Luckily, the other girl got it right, and she passed the exam. She put in her diary that she felt guilty. <laughs> I should think so too, Nicola. Fancy cheating at school. I remember we did homework, and the, the answers were in the back of the textbook. And the teacher said, you know, don't look in the back, don't cheat, try and do it yourself. And you could always check your answer in the back. Well, I couldn't do it. It was maths and I can't do maths at all. So I just copied the answers out of the back of the book. And he said, oh, by the way, anyone got some, I can't remember the figure, something like two and three eighths. I said, oh, yeah, yeah, I have, sir. He said, yeah, you got that from the back of the book. It's wrong. (laughs) They deliberately put the wrong answer in. Uh, only here and there, the wrong answer in the back of the book, so they could catch out cheats like me. <laughs> of course, the whole class laughed. Oh dear, I didn't think it was funny. But after that, I didn't copy the answers. 
I just copied a friend of mine <laughs> instead. What was the point of giving me maths homework? I couldn't do mathematics. I still can't. So what was the point? Eddie. Hello, Eddie. Email. Thanks for that. Eddie says his first job. He did very well at school. Didn't go to university. This is quite funny, actually. I like this one. Went to school. Did very well. Very good at mathematics. English. Not English literature. Well, that as well. But all English, you know, grammar and the rest of it. And he wanted a job in uh, an office like an accountant or a bank where he could climb the ladder uh, or a building society. This is the 70s, I believe he's talking about. Now, he went along to the bank. He got an interview and he went to see the bank manager and they had a chat and the interview went very well. And Eddie got the job. Right. Start a week, Monday or whenever it was. Walking home, Eddie, because he had asked the bank manager, you know, obviously what the money was like and about climbing the ladder, you know, once he'd been there a year or two, what was the, the salary going to be like then? And the manager told him all that. Walking home, he went past a building site and he saw, it was a lovely sunny day, he saw this young lad, a labourer, doing whatever he was doing on this building site. So Eddie went home. This is strange. I don't know what was in your mind, Eddie, at the time, but he put on his jeans, got out of his suit, changed in his jeans and an old T-shirt went back to the building site and said to this lad, what's the money like? Are there any jobs here? And the lad said, oh, yeah, you want to see Fred or whatever his name was over there. Uh, it's good. Yeah, the money's very good. He told Eddie what the money was three times the amount that he was going to get at the bank. Three times the amount. Now, to be fair to the bank, <laughs> it was a labouring job. Hard physical work, not much fun. All weathers, winter, snow summer, red hot. So fair enough, you know, you'd expect it to be a bit more money than sitting in the in the warm behind a desk. Eddie gave this some thought and he went to see the boss. This chap had pointed out the boss and he said, uh, apparently you've got some jobs. He said, yeah, what, what labourer? Yep, yep. Okay, yeah. Do you want to start Monday? <laughs> Eddie said, uh, yeah, fine. He told him the money. Okay, see you Monday. I think this must have been the end of the week. I, I've read the email several times, Eddie. I'm not going to go through it again, but I think that was the end of the week. So you were going to start on the Monday. OK, a bit of a long story, but Eddie started on the Monday as a labourer. He says the first few weeks, they were dreadful. You can imagine, can't you? Physical work, having just left school. I don't know how old you were, Eddie. Just left school. You're straight into a labouring job on a building site. Good grief, that must have been hard work. The thing is, now here's the thing, okay, here's the thing. Eddie stuck at it and he got talking to the bricklayers. How much money do you get? They were getting a horrendous amount, a terrific amount. Eddie reckons like 10 times what he was getting. So he's then thinking, right, I'm not doing this labouring bit. I'm going to be a bricklayer. So he, he went into that. He practised. He got the lads to help him, show him how to do it. He watched them. And he says, after a couple of years, he was a top bricklayer on fantastic money. I remember, Eddie, back in the 70s well, and, and 80s, I don't know what it's like these days, but bricklayers and plasterers in particular as well, plasterers were on crazy money. They're getting sort of £100 a day when the average working wage per week was sort of 25 you know. <laughs> I mean, that sounds exaggerating, but it's not. Bricklayers and plasterers, they were on extremely good money. They were skilled jobs. Unlike the labouring that Eddie started out with, they were skilled jobs. So Eddie, 
His mates apparently had been laughing at him. Oh, Labour, oh, look, now you're a bricklayer, editor bricklayer. <laughs> they had got their office jobs, whatever they were doing. When they heard about Eddie's money, and when they also heard that Eddie was getting married, and he bought a house, he'd got a mortgage, Eddie reckons he had the last laugh. They weren't laughing then. He was on terrific money. And the thing is, Eddie, you weren't daft. You got yourself a private pension. Your wife had a good job. You had your kids. You paid off the mortgage. Now, the private pension was the clever thing. I think he had a couple. Is it two or three, did you say, Eddie? A good idea, because he could afford it. He was earning the money. Top money as a top bricklayer. And this is it. Here's another thing. Now, here's the thing. I like this bit, Eddie. He retired at 50. Mortgage paid off. <laughs> retired at 50. Can you believe it? He'd paid the mortgage. He'd moved house a couple of times. He'd got a lovely house. Everything, you know, the kids had grown up wonderful. And uh, his mates, you know, they were still in their mundane jobs. Eddie says, I don't know what the moral of the story is. And neither do I, Eddie. That you don't have to go to university. You don't have to do well at school. I don't know. What, read into that, whatever you will. But um, yeah, fantastic story. I may have told you before, when I left school, I went to the Labour Exchange, as it was called. Totally useless, the woman there. She said, what do you want to do? I said, I want to get into radio and television repairs, servicing, electronics, anything like that. Anything to do with electronics. And she flicked through this index thing, these cards. And you won't believe this, Eddie. Got a labouring job on a building site. And I said, no. I went and got a job myself. I forgot the labour exchange, waste of space. So I went and got a job at a radio and TV repair shop. And I never looked back. But I have wondered over the years, what if I'd taken on the labourer job? Mind you, I was a bit skinny and puny. I suppose I'd have soon built myself up. Don't need to go to the gym. Not if you're a labourer on a building site. I often have wondered, I've looked back, I've heard about bunnies that brickies are on and plasterers. And I've often thought, what if I had done that? What if I'd said, yeah, OK, yeah, I'll go and be a labourer on a building site. I'll never know now. Well, I can't do it now. <laughs> Imagine me as a labourer now. Take those bricks over there. Well, I have to do one at a time because my knee hurts. <laughs> Happy days. Oh, it's now Saturday, by the way. So uh, quite a hot night, actually. I don't know what the temperature was, but it was really hot in the night. Had the windows open, a little bit of breeze coming in. And there was some more lightning. I couldn't believe it. More lightning. I don't think there was any more rain. And now the sun's shining. It's beautiful. It's very overcast over the downs there. But the sunshine, the flag is, where are we? The wind is coming from the west. So that's not too bad. It's when it comes from the north. <laughs> from uh, up at uh, the Antarctic. No, Arctic, isn't it? And Ant is south, isn't it? Antarctic is south. Arctic is north. So yes, it's coming from up there when it's north, which is cold or Siberia way. Where's that? That's kind of north east, isn't it? Don't like that at all. So yes, it's Saturday. I've got the house to myself at the moment. We've had niece round with her two children. She's popped round for lunch. Mother-in-law been round for lunch. Who else? Uh, various other people dropping in. Trish said, I'm just taking mother-in-law up the road. They've got to pick up some jigsaw puzzles. And she said, what are you going to do? Why don't you come with us? I said, no, 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 I've got to finish the podcast while I've got the opportunity, while the house is quiet. I don't know what it is. I find everyone so loud. Have I mentioned this before? I find people so loud. It must be my ears. Uh, normally, when you get old, you go deaf. I'm not. My ears are 
becoming more sensitive as I get older. And it seems that everyone's shouting. I really can't do it. Sometimes I wonder whether it's making my ears bleed. <laughs> no, obviously it's not. What's the time? Look, it's coming up to two o'clock. So uh, finish off the podcast and have a cup of tea. And I might go and start the engine, my old Lister stationary engine in the garden. This morning I checked the oil, put some more petrol in it, adjusted bits and pieces, put some water in it. That's for the cooling. And uh, it's all ready to start. So I might do that after I've had a cup of tea. I didn't bother with tea. Trish just brought me up an ice lolly. There we are. It's still summer. Just about. Well, no, it's officially autumn now, isn't it? Autumnal. I've noticed that I used to wake at four. Well, I still wake at four sometimes. And the sun was out. The sun was rising. The birds were singing. Then it was half four. Then five o'clock. This morning, it was about six o'clock before it started to get light at all. I know the sky was overcast, few clouds, but it really is changing already. Where are we? Third of September. So, yes, we are heading. <laughs> I'm not going to use the W word, uh, but we are heading that way to that season, which I don't mind. You know, it's OK. The only thing is it drags on, doesn't it? I don't mind. Up Christmas always comes. I shouldn't have mentioned that. That's another word I shouldn't mention. But that does come around very quickly. All this ridiculous shopping days to Christmas and all this nonsense they come up with on the radio and the television. And before you know it, it's here. It's here and gone. What was that? Oh, that was Christmas. Oh, was it? <laughs> that reminds me of Tommy Cooper. Do you have a friend of mine in the workshop? I don't know whether you've seen the Tommy Cooper sketch where Tommy comes onto the stage with a birdcage and it's empty. And on his head, on his fez, the hat that he wears, there's a plastic budgie on a spring stuck on the top of his hat. And he's saying, oh, I'm really sad. I opened the cage door. The, the bird flew away. My budgie's gone. It's just gone. I don't know where it is. Of course, the audience are laughing. And a friend of mine did that in the workshop. He came with a, with an empty cage of this budgie thing on his head. I don't know. It was really funny at the time. It probably doesn't sound funny now, but at the time it was because uh, I hadn't seen the Tommy Cooper sketch at that time. I don't know what it is about Tommy Cooper. Trish can't stand it. She doesn't think it's funny at all. He walked onto the stage, I've been watching one or two recently on YouTube, with a saw on his head, you know, a wood saw on his head. And he said, oh, I've got a sore head. <laughs> now, I don't know, isn't humour strange? It's a very individual thing. You know, you either love it or hate it. I don't understand Charlie Chaplin at all. I just don't find any of it funny. Laurel and Hardy, I love it. The slapstick comedy, I love it. He'll turn round, one of them will turn round, won't he, with a ladder and knock the other one over the head with a ladder and knock him flying into a, I don't know, into the river or something, into a lake. I just find that funny. Again, Trish doesn't find that funny at all, but we're all different, which is just as well. Oh, by the way, Monday, uh, where are we, Saturday? Yes, Monday, we've got a new Prime Minister. They've chucked out Boris Johnson, and it's going to be, is it Ricky Sunak or Liz Truss? So, I don't know, we shall see what happens on, on Monday, presumably Monday morning, I don't know, because Parliament has been in recess, isn't it? Well, basically, they've been skiving off for the summer. <laughs> and uh, the, I was going to say it's been empty, but the Extinction Rebellion people broke in somehow, or got in there somehow, into the House of Commons and uh, sat, you no, know, glued themselves to the Speaker's chair. 
So isn't that treason? Do you know, I think treason is still punishable by hanging. So that's not treason, is it, though? So I think you've got to be a little bit careful what you do these days in way of Parliament and stuff. On that note, no, not on the note of being hung. or No, it's hanged, isn't it? Hanged, not hung. Get my grammar right. On that note of being hanged for treason, I shall say goodbye. No, let's have a brighter note. What's happening? What's happening next week? I'm going to see you on Wednesday with the midweek message. Raise rants at protonmail.com. Be nice to hear from you. Oh, just before I go, hello, Nigel. Just got your email. I haven't replied yet, but I will do. Nigel's idea for a podcast episode, getting old. Well, I'd be good at that. (laughs) Getting old. I don't know. Isn't it strange getting old? Because in my mind, I remember old people saying this when I was young. In my mind, I feel young. I feel not 18, perhaps, but, you know, 20s. I could go out to the pub. I could go clubbing, pull some birds. Oh, not allowed to say that. I must get this right. Um, Talk to some females. Is that right? No, no, pull some birds, have a chat to the birds. It was good fun then, and I could still do that now. I don't think I'd <laughs> I don't think I'd get anywhere, but in my mind, I'm that sort of age. But my body, I don't know, my mind would be ahead of me in the pub. My body would still be lumbering down the road trying to get to the pub. There we are. They were happy days. I love the old days. I always say that, don't I? It sounds sad really. I mustn't keep looking back. Yes, I must. I certainly don't want to look forward the way things are going. Oh, that's just reminded me of talking about birds. I was driving along the other day with Trish and there was a girl walking along, incredibly short skirt. And I said to Trish, look, I said, see that? In the old days, in my teens, I'd have leant out of the car window and shouted out. Well, I can't tell you what I would have shouted out, but it would have been rude. And she would have probably shouted something equally rude back. But it was fun. You know, it was, I don't know, it was fun. Of course, these days, if you do anything like that, you get arrested. <laughs> it's a good job. I tell you what, it's a good job it wasn't like that then in the 60s. Well, it wouldn't be, would it? Can you imagine lads, teenage lads and girls getting arrested for shouting things out the car window? <laughs> oh dear. Take care. I shall see you on Wednesday with the midweek message. Bye bye for now.